back today with another episode of Supreti Ji. It's been a while, but uh, we're back and we're ready to roll again. So, okay. welcome Supreti Ji, Hari Krishna and Jai Shri Okay, thank you, uh, Kanan. I'm very uh, happy to be back. And also, and just, yeah, go on. Sorry, I'll just get why I have supposed to do the incantation. Also, is that okay if I can just do that? Yeah, go do it, do it. Go ahead and do it. Very good, go do it. Om Gyanat Mirandasya Gyananjana Shalakya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam E Krishna Karana Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namosate Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sukadevi Pranamami Haripriye Manchakal Patarubhyasya Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnabhyo Namo Namaha Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Iti Namine Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pracharane Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschadde Shatarane Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Kadadara Shri Vasadi Gauravakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Okay, this is really a very auspicious way to start any class, whether you're teaching yeah. or whether you yeah. are studying, because it creates a lot of auspiciousness all around, or removes the negative energy, and it's a proper etiquette to glorify those who have come before us. And this Om Agyanati Vedandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya, basically it is referring to uh, saying thanks to whichever guru, known or unknown at this stage, who is uh, opening knowledge. your eyes. Yeah, that's right. Through knowledge, through the torch of knowledge, by shining that torch of knowledge, removing our, the bl our blackest ignorance. That's the idea. Okay, and removing our um, lack of knowledge. Agyana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakya. Chakshur, Chakshur is eyes. Unmiritam Yena Tasmashiva Venama. Okay. All right, so we are going to start or continue with text eight. Uh, just remember, we are already into what is famously called the Chatur Shloki of Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita has the Chatur Shloki, meaning four crucial verses coming in like in uh, continuation, one after another. And uh, the Bhagavatam also has the Chatur Shloki like this similarly. Now here, the Bhagavad Gita, who decides what the Chatur Shloki is, it's not really Krishna. It is the commentators who come later who have concluded that the essence or uh, in parochial language, they say the kutans, meaning the essence, mm. just squeeze everything out. What you really need to get out of the Bhagavad Gita is here. So that is the bhakti interpretation. I'm sure the jnanis and the karmis, they may not agree that this is really the Chatur Shloki. So let's go ahead and see what from the bhakti yoga point of view, the Chatur Shloki of the Bhagavad Gita is. Number eight, nine, ten, and eleven. So, starting with the eighth verse, shall we chant yeah. this together? Yeah. Yeah. Aham sarvasya prabhavo mataha sarvam pravartate iti matva bhajante maam buddha bhava saman vitaha. Aham sarvasya prabhavo mataha sarvam pravartate. Iti matva bhajante maam buddha bhava saman vitaha. Okay. Aham sarva. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Yeah, once more. Aham, Aham sarvasya prabhavo 
मतावर्तते मजंते कृष्णा सो uh why the wise step would be to is just to surrender unto him i am the source of spiritual and material worlds all spiritual and material worlds everything emanates from me the wise who perfectly know this engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts right so the wise who know this uh, what do they do they don't just simply meditate on him they engage in his devotional service because it's like a reciprocating with the thunderous realization that there's nothing beyond the krishna in this world and that everything comes from him so then the the normal response would be to want to serve such a great individual uh in gratitude and affection or love and so they engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts okay here is a long purport with some information that comes uh right that is basically like summarizing what's given in more detail in the bhagavatam especially in the sections that deal with creation i think that's canto 3 right uh, please read the purport yeah a learned scholar who has studied the vedas perfectly and has information from authorities like lord chaitanya and who knows how to apply the apply these teachings can understand that krishna is the origin of everything in both the material and spiritual worlds and yeah and because uh we can never be deviated by any amount of nonsensical commentaries or by fools all vedic literature agrees that krishna is the source of brahma shiva and all other demigods in the atharva veda gopal tapani upanishad चैप्टर वन टेक्स्ट ट्वेंटी फोर इट इज ब्रह्मणाम विधति विधति इट वाज कृष्णा हु इन द बिगिनिंग इंस्ट्रक्टेड ब्रह्मा इन वेदिक नॉलेज एंड हु डिसिमिनेटेड वेदिक नॉलेज इन द पास्ट देन अगेन द नारायण उपनिषद वन सेस अथा पुरुषो हा वै नारायण कामयाता प्रजा सृजयती then the supreme personality of uh, narayana desired to create living entities the upanishad continues narayanad brahma jayate narayanad prajapati hi prajayate narayanad indro jayate narayanad astav vashavo uh, jayante narayanad ekadasha rudra jayante narayanad dwadash dwadashadityah from narayana brahma's born and from narayana the patriarchs are also born from narayana indra's born from narayana the eight vasus are born from narayana the 11 rudras are born and from narayana the 12 adityas are born this narayana is an expansion of krishna okay 
okay uh, just stop here uh, just one side comment your sanskrit uh, uh, pronunciation has improved visibly you've been doing something you've been hearing something like you are i read a lot like <laughs> no you read aloud did you see you read yeah, aloud yeah 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 i in the mornings every, like every day i'll be reading the bhagavad gita in the morning uh-huh. so, so i read the bhagavad gita every day and also i think i read a lot of these uh, the scripture right so right. Uh, like i'll if i'm reading some leelamrita or whatever book i'm reading there will be verses here and there and all that so i end up reading that also like okay because oh that's very good because uh, yeah, sometimes a reader might would get stuck with a long sentence like this coming from the yeah I, now i'm kind of a little bit used i'm getting used to it actually now like used to it. yeah 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 okay yeah. Uh, actually just before we get into who the um, eight vasus are and who the 11 rudras and the 12 adityas just this first paragraph where uh, shila prabhupada is making this point that a learned scholar who has studied the vedas perfectly and has information from authorities like lord chaitanya and who knows how to apply these teachings can understand the krishna the origin of everything right and because enosis he is fixed in fine he can never be deviated by any amount of nonsensical commentaries or by fools now here this is one sentence you will be uh, or rather i am amazed at the amount of confusion there is even at the highest levels Uh, especially people who you think are fairly well read and genuinely interested but because they have not had access to the such simple and lucid explanations to be found in prabhupada's books particularly the bhagavad gita and the bhagavatam and also all the other small books they even today are so utterly confused by what is spiritual and what is material for example i don't mean any disrespect uh there is a very influential and very remarkable uh slightly aged now a scholar and you can say an enquirer who is doing wonders for our country and for our society called rajiv malhotra you mm. know he's got this he's like digging up and investigating and trying to warn our people of how we are going to lose our culture because there is a deliberate attempt and so on right we do not do it's very impressive all of it then if you see where he takes his spiritual inspiration from it's pretty disappointing he claims he's uh, inspired by the writings of dina dayal upadhyay who died at the age of 51 i think he was pushed out of a train it was practically like a murder this was back in the 1960s dina dayal upadhyay uh, developed some concept called integral humanism humanism mm. and basically it is like a forefather of the bjp and the manifesto for the bjp and the hindutva and so on okay we are not going into all that now i saw rajiv malhotra rather i heard in a recording making the astonishing and absurd statements basically coming from dinadayal upadhyay that the jeevatma manifests exact words the jeevatma manifests as society mm. and social institutions like state marriage family you see they are not able to distinguish between jeevatma that is spiritual and all these other material constructions that wow. are ordained by the vedas so it's kind yeah, of like it's kind of like the in one sense it's kind of like i mean the veda advaita i mean in advaita vedanta or in the non dualistic school they say that everything is one and Merging. they don't ah, right, and right, it's right. everything merges into the brahman of effulgence 
and right. uh, so it's kind of saying that in in one sense but not saying that like you know, in, in, in reverse order i think in yeah, reverse, reverse order, order he's saying order. that the jivatma then uh, manifests us okay yeah, that's so, helpful yeah. what you're saying that's helpful but well, to one, me because one, ah, yeah go ahead sorry sorry i'm sorry i interrupted yeah go ahead no i said to me it came as a like a shocker because so far everything he has been speaking of his always the analysis is very impressive he's alert he's courageous you know he's got that brahmanical mind and a kshatriya nature to protect and stand up and teach others also to defend he is not bothered he's not going to particularly be very uh, obsequious or very um, what is it uh, Uh, he is going to not bend because there is a government in mm. power. If they don't live up to what he thinks are proper standards, then he criticizes them also. He won't take political sides. It's it's one, interesting. Yeah. One thing is that I mean he is in one sense he is like okay because he is living in America, so <laughs> he's a little safe that way also. But like uh, the thing is actually what the point you made is actually like, true because like I mean if you if you take somebody like uh, this person like you know like take Sadhguru also for example. he's right. not really i mean he's obviously a very popular personality in the in the in the largest landscape yeah yeah and yeah. He, obviously he has followers who are you know who who are devoted to him and he does teach a lot of things that are you know very good and very nice and all that but i've heard in one of the one of somewhere he's mentioned that all the knowledge that he's got he's like he's never read scriptures like he's and never he read and he never he never he's never read any scriptures so he doesn't have any scriptural knowledge and uh, his is more of like a feeling sort of thing and he's obviously devoted to shiva it's also nothing wrong with so there's nothing wrong with anything that he's doing but it's just that like you know i mean if generally like you know even if you are not very good at verse with scripture or whatever that's still not a problem but you know somebody being like very proud of the fact that they're not verse in scripture is right, like right, right. is in one sense saying that you know you don't really value the scripture all that much so i also uh, have problems with that i've heard him say that and i feel it influences all his followers to not bother to check out what scripture is saying i also hmm. have problems i've heard these statements by him and specifically i find it problematic because on the one hand in uh, interviews regarding material issues like you know where is india going and ecology and yeah, and then he claims Yeah. He, he claims that his heartbeat is Bharat. Okay, mm. he says something like every time his heart pumps, beats, it is Bharat. Bharat, it is saying. So how then does he choose to ignore what is part of this Bharat heritage, which is just foundational? Bhagavad Gita is very foundational. Mm. How can he say? Okay, he may say he prefers the Yoga Sutras or you know whatever has led him on a particular path, which Shiva is the Adi Yogi. That's okay. He may say that. but how can he claim that almost as a matter of pride that he has not read the bhagavad gita bhagavatam he doesn't even mention mm. but i think it's very misleading and uh, it's unfortunately i have a suspicion that people who are attracted to are probably not are at least it might be uh, it's I it's understandable because the thing is that you know even in my own like my own personal experience also people yeah. aren't so um people are not that invested in reading the bhagavad gita or reading it that much in, in, yeah intellectually so they're, they're not, not they're not yeah they're not invested that much and they don't a lot of them i've heard people say that 
they are either scared to read the Gita. Some people are saying they're scared to read the Gita because I don't know why. When, when you ask them, they'll be like, uh, they, I think it's mainly that when you start reading something that is that could potentially change your entire like worldview, worldview, like you know, could change your worldview. There is a there's something scary about the unfamiliar, like something scary about that. And you need like a you need like you know a leap of faith in one sense to be like okay I'm just gonna try it out you know like you have like you know certain people have some certain set barriers but when you read something like this it kind of breaks all that down so people are scared to read it because all that goes away and so yeah that's that's the answer and that that those types are happy with a leader who is saying that he hasn't read the Bhagavad Gita. And they don't seem personally inclined to try to find out what the Bhagavad Gita is saying. Anyway, so right. So I think we have a lot to be thankful for yeah. because Prabhupada's such simple and lucid explanations, both Bhagavad Gita, Purpose in the Bhagavatam, that make everything like it just everything falls into place. What is Jiva? What is Karma? As it, as it is, as he says. As it is. As it as is. It is. Yeah, but as you correctly said, I think what I specifically mentioned a little earlier. This concept of Jivatma manifesting as, you know, social yeah. institution. It is really that monotheistic, uh, impersonal, everything is one. And that one can be Paramatma or Jivatma because they are also one. And then they come and produce. I think that's where this thinking is coming from. Thank you. Anyway. All right. So uh, from and now here they are talking about new from Narayana Brahma is born, right? That we know, and from from Narayana, the patriarchs are born. The patriarchs from Narayana, Indra is born, right? From Narayana, the eight Vasus are born. The eight Vasus, apparently, they are eight brothers who fought, who got into big trouble after stealing the cow, a cow that belonged to Vashishta Muni. Mm. Okay, uh, the the eldest of the Vasu brothers was, uh, I think, Pratyush was his name. Uh, I think so. No, his name was not Pratyush. His name was uh, Prabhash, maybe, not Tushwa. But his wife desired that was some lovely cow in the next compound, and they didn't realize it's Sage Vashish. So uh, the eldest of these Vasu brothers engaged the seven other brothers also to steal the cow. And when Sage Vashish came to know, he got very upset and he cursed them. And then later they apologize and he is not able to retract the curse, but he modifies it slightly. Basically, I think he curses them to death. So okay. the idea is that the curse gets modified, that eight of them will take birth and then uh, they will take birth and then they quickly die. die. Ah, yeah. So that is how I think Ganga... The Mahabharat... Oh, no, Mahabharat. Sorry, was... That's right. That's right. Is that the thing in that uh, the children of Shantanu and... That's right. Um, That's that right. Yeah. The, the only one of them survives. That is, he turns out to be Bhima, uh, Bhishma, Bhishma Pitama, because apparently Bhishma Pitama was the eldest Vasu who planned that whole robbery, the stealing. Oh. So he is not, doesn't have this. He is not allowed to just get away being born and dying. He has to apparently, you know, like live out a normal life and take all the burdens of household life without ever actually becoming a householder himself. Mm. Something like that. Therefore, Bhishma Pitamaha is, as we know, the rest of it, the history, uh, because that was the eldest Vasu. So those are the eight Vasus. 
Then from Narayana, the 11 Rudras are born. All I know is they're just different uh, forms of Lord Shiva and the 12 Adityas are the 12 sun gods. I don't, excuse me, have more information where they actually like operate. The 11 Rudras, is it in different ages or um, planets? And so also with the 12 Adityas, I'm not sure. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Mr. Prabhu made a point actually in one of the episodes. Uh, was it Kasuba Prabhu or I think maybe no, it was actually Swayam Bhagavan uh, Kesha Maharaj. It was Kesha oh, Maharaj who made this point. He said yeah. that uh, he's he's also like uh, I feel like he's one of the best. Uh, like like he knows like all the purports and verses, you know, from so many scriptures. So he mentioned something like I think somebody asked him the question like what is the like i think uh, here what is the difference between an expansion and an incarnation okay. so because sometimes uh, they will you know they will say that indra like sorry uh, let's say that you know how do you understand vishnu or how do you understand krishna for example and the and so he was saying that vishnu is uh, krishna is the incarnation in one sense uh -huh. and vishnu is krishna's expansion in the spiritual right. world mm -hmm. so they're both one and the same but it's just that like when that when vishnu's energy or when krishna when, when krishna manifests himself in the material world he comes as krishna in the form of in that material body but yeah. in the spiritual world he's you know vishnu so he's like any expansions are all in the spiritual world but any incarnations they all come to the material world so any so it's like so that's why there is a difference and the incarnations have a different um like potency about them because they are like interacting directly with the material energy in one sense whereas the expansions are like in the spiritual world they are like sort of they are they're basically attracting more of the spiritual energy and they are like you know um so that attachment is not there basically in the material in the spiritual world with the material energy so the incarnation comes specifically to you know uh, to deal or you know to um, sort to of teach, to, to teach or to, to instruct to instruct to engage why with the material world yeah, yeah in one sense so when when they when when the energy like or when that the form of god comes down to interact with the material world they come in form of as an incarnation in that case it comes as krishna and so because it's krishna it's even more like like loving or even more relishable because he also mentions that you know when it comes to vishnu he has like 60 person he has 60 uh, i think 60 personalities or 60 something like 60 something and qualities qualities uh, qualities, qualities yeah. yeah and krishna has like some he has 64 four more that's right. Where, That's and right. where he has charm and things like that. That's uh, right. That is and, the Madhur, uh, the Leela Madhuri, Leela Madhuria, Venu Madhuria, Rupa Madhuria, and the fourth one, uh, uh, the four special qualities that uh, make him irresistible. The charm of his Leela, the charm of his Venu or flute, the charm of his form. And yeah. uh, the fourth one, I'm not getting now. Just a couple of points. Uh, isn't it somewhere in the Bhagavatam that this is explained very clearly? The expansions and the incarnation that he has numerous expansions numerous incarnations yeah. it's unthinkable and uh, uh, although uh, um, on the material platform we are always told that krishna is an incarnation of vishnu 
Lord Chaitanya kind of confirms that it's the other way around. That Krishna is the source. source and source. Vishnu, Brahma and Shiva are three, three personalities that emanate from the source. Mm. Krishna, Vishnu, just check this out again in the Bhagavatam yeah, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Amrita, That they, the Vishnu, Brahma and Shiva are three forms of personalities that come out of the source specifically for the purpose respectively Vishnu for maintenance, Shiva for destruction at the yeah. end and Brahma yeah. for creation. There's this, I don't know if you remember, uh, it's it's mentioned in the Bhagavatam, there's a story of, um, I think when Arjuna visits Krishna in Dwaraka, uh, yeah. this is before the Kurukshetra war and everything, and all. when they, I think, growing up, I think, or something like that, he visits yeah. Krishna in the, uh, in, it's, I think, the 87th chapter of the 10th canto or something like that, 87 to 88th. Right. So, in that, there's a story in that, where Arjuna is visiting Krishna in Dwaraka, and there's a Brahmin in there. And the Brahmin is like, he's like creating a lot of fuss by saying that, you know, that the Kshatriyas are no longer there to protect us anymore. And, uh, you know, he also said that, you know, even Krishna can't protect me because, you know, uh, uh, every time I do my puja, if I'm doing my tapasya, something happens and I get disturbed. Right. And then Arjuna is obviously like, he's thinking that, you know, he's a Kshatriya and Krishna is not saying anything. So he's a Kshatriya, so he has to like, like, no, I will help you. You know, what, what problem do you have? And then the Brahmin basically like says, no, no, you can't do anything at all. You, I don't have any faith in the Kshatriyas anymore. And then Arjuna is like, no, 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 I will help you. And then he's like, okay, fine. So in the night again, when the Brahmin begins to do his uh, tapasya, suddenly, and Arjuna is with him in his house with all the bows and everything, and all, ready to like, you know, uh, ready to like, you know, make sure everything works out fine. But suddenly the 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 yagya stops, and uh -huh. then the brahman gets again like you see I told you like you know you couldn't help me and all that you know you were like this like that. So and Arjuna had made a vow to the brahman that if he couldn't do it he would kill himself. Basically that was the thing. Uh -huh. So obviously Arjuna was feeling bad and he's like I have made the vow so I'll have to do it. And but then Krishna tells him like wait before you do anything like this, come I need to show you something before that. So uh -huh. he takes him to, so they literally go to the spiritual world uh -huh. and they go to the spiritual world and he's taking him, I think it's in his Krishna's horse, I think he's taking him in that. And as they're getting to this, as they go in the spiritual world, they see the, they see this bright light. Right. And in the Bhagavatam is described that light is basically not, nothing. Actually, yeah, this is, I think more elaborate in the Krishna Supreme Personality of Godhead book. So uh -huh. in that, in fact. Okay. So, um, so there's this bright light that's there, and this bright light is nothing but the Brahman effulgence. So the Brahman effulgence, the, 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 the there's like outer part, which is the Brahman effulgence, and that is something that Arjuna can't, like he can't see that clearly. Krishna tells him like look beyond it because we are going somewhere further, and so then they keep going, and then they finally reach, uh, Vishnu's abode or Vishnu where Vishnu is residing. Right. So Vishnu sees Krishna and Arjuna there and Vishnu says, oh, like, you know, I've been waiting for both of you to reach or to arrive here and all. I've been waiting for this thing and all stuff. And he humbly goes down and pays obeisances and, you know, to both Arjuna and Krishna. So this is Vishnu, like, you know, paying obeisances to Arjuna and Krishna. And uh, Arjuna is also obviously, like, shocked. He's like, what is happening? Like, how am I here? I mean, Vishnu's abode. Where all did I go? What, what all did I see? And Krishna like Krishna tells Arjuna that you know you want to know how to help the Brahmin here. Uh, 
uh, you know you want to know the source of why the yagya stopping he's the source of uh, vishnu the source of this and so vishnu is like he folds his hands and he says like you know the reason why i did this was the reason why i did this was because i wanted to see krishna myself because i wanted like you know i knew that you know if i did this then you know you'll come here and you know you'll i'll be able to see you and then now that you've come you fulfill my desire krishna to come here and you know to the south and so arjuna is like for him he's like what is happening like everything is so uh, this thing and so then they finally come back and then you know everything goes well after that so you know there is a temple in ernakulam called the purnatrayeshan that is specifically this particular pastime or leela oh. the purnatrayeshan temple where uh, the version i have heard is that the brahmana's children kept dying okay children okay. kept dying and he approaches arjuna to protect the children and uh, time after time arjuna is not able to protect you know he so finally is this thing something about yagya or something like that thing in the krishna right, yeah. temple but yeah. uh, i uh, that's true uh, maybe uh, the yagya was disturbed and then that version got kind of conflated with some other yeah, story yeah, yeah. but yeah. the purnatrayeshan temple in uh, ernakulam i think there's even a, what is it called the tripunitra tripunitra is a place uh, near yeah. yeah yeah there's even a little mm-hmm. railway station there and that whole temple it is uh um, basically in memory of this specific pastime that comes uh, from oh. the 10 canto and that is why it is there in the krishna book krishna book is nothing but a summarization of the 10 canto all right so the story i always found uh, whenever some like the vishnu and krishna thing comes right. i always i always think of the story because then i realize like vishnu is he is like always hankering after the love of krishna and right. he himself can't understand krishna because he is also trying to do all kinds of things just to get krishna to right right pay attention right, right to him in one sense absolutely yes. right yeah that's true also krishna has those four additional qualities you know yeah. which you just mentioned uh, which make him so attractive and even superior to vishnu all right so let's carry on that, that is the yeah. 12 yeah. uh, adityas Uh, uh, please read the next para it is said in the same vedas yeah yeah it is said in the same vedas brahmanyo devaki putraha the son of devaki krishna is the supreme personality the narayana upanishad 4 then it is said eko vai narayana asinna brahma nishano napo nagni somao neme dyav aprithvi na nakshatrani na suryaha in the beginning of the creation there was only the supreme personality narayana there was no brahma no shiva no water no fire no moon no heaven and earth no stars no sky no sun maha upanishad chapter 1 text 2 in the maha upanishad it is also said it is also said that lord shiva was born from the forehead of the supreme lord thus the vedas say that it is the supreme lord the creator of brahma and shiva who is to be worshiped in the moksha dharma section of the mahabharata krishna also says just one yeah. minute do you know this about lord shiva being born from the forehead of the supreme lord this is yeah. bit confusing because i have heard that shiva came out from the forehead of brahma brahma, brahma even, uh, even i heard that yeah then brahma is enraged that then, the four that kumara anger uh, the anger of that will not procreate his yeah. children the four kumaras want to be celibate all their life and be brahmacharis and they won't procreate brahma is furious because then his whole plan and his whole duty of procreation runs into trouble so in anger that comes out this form of lord shiva and rudra 
apparently he is called rudra because that uh, dra it is like uh, equivalent to our saying ayo my god like that so because the very first time he appeared people exclaimed in horror uh, he is given the name rudra and shudra that fourth varna or mm. class gets that same uh, suffix dra because they are in ignorance and they are always lamenting and saying my god my god this so the shudra mentality is somebody who is often bewildered and confused by circumstances and is always saying oh god this is a problem that is my god my god like that like ayo 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 like that okay carry on uh, yeah in the moksha dharma section of the mahabharat krishna also says prajapatim charudram chapi aham eva sujami vai ुद्रोदेव चतुर्मुखाय Lord Krishna is the source of all generations and he is called the most efficient cause of everything. He says because everything is born of me I am the original source of all. Everything is under me no one is above me. There is no supreme controller other than Krishna one who understands Krishna in such a way from a bona fide spiritual master with references from Vedic literature engages all his energies in Krishna consciousness and becomes a truly learned man. In comparison to him, all others who do not know Krishna properly are but fools. Only a fool who considers Krishna to be an ordinary man, a Krishna conscious person, should not be bewildered by fools. He should avoid all unauthorized commentaries and interpretations on Bhagavad Gita and proceed in Krishna consciousness with determination and firmness. Okay, to couple of points here. The very word avatar it means somebody or something that descends, that comes down. Mm. therefore uh, this uh, 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 that is the actual the reason by narasimha is considered an avatar it's a form coming from the spiritual world but is coming down into this material world to come to the rescue of a devotee to give instruction to make a point you know to reestablish morality and so on so avatar so therefore when krishna comes to on it's also considered an avatar but krishna is considered avatari or the original source of all the avatars just uh, this is lord chaitanya who establishes this point and uh, the analogy or example is given of an original candle and then from that candle you light another candle and from that candle you light another candle so the expansions are like that is yeah this, from the original uh, yeah oh uh, yes yeah, sir please go ahead yeah so uh, that is how uh, the from the origin like different different candles you keep lighting mm. so in one sense it's the same but in another sense it's not the same okay so so i had doubt is this similar to like this there's a discuss there's a topic where it discussed about the fall of the uh, jiva right 
Is this right. the same thing or is it different from that? No, no, no. This has nothing to uh, do with the father jiva. Nothing. Okay. No, because the Lord doesn't have to fall down or anything. He's coming down okay. in his full powers to reestablish uh, a situation that is favorable for the jiva to try to get out of the cycle of birth and death. It's not. Oh, uh, okay. It's not at all. The two are not to be compared because the uh, Lord is coming out of His own. Yeah, all right. The Lord is coming out of His own sweet will uh, and out of concern for the jivas. The jiva is supposed to have fallen down because he wanted to whimsically uh, enjoy separately and enjoy independently uh -huh. of the supreme Lord. So he's given an opportunity to come, and then when he sees this miserable situation, he's trying to climb out of here. Okay. But uh, yeah. yeah, in one sense, what you're saying is true that both come down, but mm. uh, for the jiva, it is a miserable experience and it's something he regrets. Though mm. it may take him many lifetimes to come to that regret. Yeah. So, you know, he thinks he's having a great time and he just prays for more and more material benefits and another life and a longer life and heavenly planets and back here. It goes like that the chakra. For the Lord, he's coming down, hearing uh, uh, according to precisely according to as is predicted in the Bhagavata uh, on schedule. Like you know, now we are waiting mm. for a Kalki avatar. Uh, many, many, many uh, um, thousands of years from now, but they come down as per schedule to play with a mission. They each one has a mission, and specifically to uh, as we studied in chapter four, they to re-establish the principles of dharma, religion, and so on like that. Uh, so so there's there's this, there is this question, I think, I don't know which, uh, uh, there was this, uh, I think it was um, Padmanabha Dasa, I think, Padmanabha Swami Dasa, he, he, I think that's the name of him. He came out with this book where it says, is the Jiva inherent, like, um, inherent or something like that. Let me just see. No, I don't want to... actually, there's a whole um, that particular speaker. I don't have much patience with, but the same oh. thing. What he says hmm. is said much more clearly by Satyanarayan Das Babaji, who used to be in his court, and then he left over precisely this. Okay. You see what the issue is. Sheila Prabhupada's books say. Since you are asking this question, you might hmm. as well be told. Srila hmm. Prabhupada's books say clearly, Satya Narayan Dasya. Okay, this one, you know, I don't have much patience with back and forth, back okay. and forth. Whereas I saw the Satya Narayan Das hmm. Babaji talks just this in a very plain, simple way, and he moves on. Srila uh, uh, Prabhupada's books say that the Jiva basically fell down and has to go back. Jiva Goswami Sandharba texts. You know, mm. once apparently Iskon GBC start asked Satyanarayan Das, who in those days was very much within Iskon, coming from a very scholarly Brahmanical background in Mathura. So when he appeared on the ski, they asked him to start translating Jiva Goswami's uh, Satsandarbhas, the six Sandarbhas, specifically one of them, either the Bhakti Sandarbha or the Krishna Sandarbha, I'm not sure. When he started translating, he came upon this that the Jiva never fell down. Nothing falls from that. Basically, it was an adjustment for preaching that Srila Prabhupada made because he was preaching to a Western audience that is used to biblical ideas like original sin, Adam and Eve, the fall of Adam, the serpent, the forbidden apple, like some somebody who makes a great mistake and then comes down to suffer. 
because he was preaching to an entirely western audience it's very possible that shila propad made a certain adjustment with the truth mm. you see he made an adjustment with the truth to try to tell people that we have to somehow try to get back to the spiritual world now if mm. you see jiva goswami's writings that were made that were written in times and for an audience that was already very erudite they didn't need this kind of lollipops to tempt them to give up a a hippy lifestyle and come to a more sattvic lifestyle they were anyway born into a culture that was constantly believing that this birth is only to get moksha or this birth is to only get bhakti and go back to krishna so he could give them the naked truth so he says very clearly that it is not that the jiva falls down the jiva never went there you know the jiva is here and from here we have to try to get back and once we get back we don't fall down oh. Okay. So it is supposed to be an adjustment that Shreya Prabhupad made, as I said, to because he was writing for That's Western um, audience, used to this biblical concepts, this forbidden fruit and the original sin, and then falling down to suffer, and Christ comes to take the sinful reaction and so on. So whenever uh, his disciples would question Prabhupad about, you know, uh, then why did we fall, and when he would get impatient. and he say it is not important for you to understand whether we fell or we don't didn't fall if a fire has started in the next house and your house is going to catch fire you don't waste time trying to find out who started the fire and at what time the fire started mm. you try to put out the fire so similarly mm. it was his way of saying just shut up and stop questioning me about whether we fell or we didn't fall from the spiritual world try and get out of here Use this mm. human life to develop love of Godhead and just not have to come back to the material world. So, so that in, he's asking, is it inherent yeah. or inherited or something exactly, like that? Exactly, yeah. exactly. But when Satyanarayan Das Babaji stumbled on this and started to inform the GBC, the GBC that were very young at that time after Prabhupada's departure took it very badly. They got very shaken. They couldn't resolve this contradiction, and finally he left his con over this. He left his con. He said, "I cannot. You are asking me to translate Jiva Goswami's book. I am translating, and you are refusing to publish it uh, because it contradicts what Shri La Prabhupada said. Why don't you add this kind of like a note at the end that Shri La Prabhupada probably made this adjustment because of that? That the, it led to some kind of big ghatpach between them, and uh, Satyanarayan just moved on. And now he is actually his lectures are very interesting. I listen to a lot of them." he is now head of the jiva research institute jiva as in jiva goswami your research institute based in mathura and he is very fluent in english he has lot of followers with a beard with the, some of he he explains very simply and clearly certain key concepts so that oh, is the issue oh, what is the name satyanarayan das baba ji jiva institute yeah. satyanarayan das just type satyanarayan das And uh, type Jiva Institute. That's him. This is him. Oh, this is him. Okay. This is him. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He was. He had a okay interview. Yeah. I first Shamala put me, tip me off about this particular interview with uh, Namras, and mm. there Satyanarayan. It's a very interesting interview because what, uh, what you know, when you talk of people and the way what. Things that life has, what twists and turns that particular person's life. He was born like in some rural part of Mathura where there was no electricity, no phone. He grows up and somehow he joins. He is gets into the IIT. He must be in his seventies now. Mm. You know, and then as as an IIT scholar person, he goes abroad. He comes to ISKCON. 
then his guru kind of gets beheaded it's very much an iskon person jayatirtha das oh. you know he then he survives that he comes back to mayapur and it's, it's the that particular namara's interview itself is fascinating hmm. it's uh, shamala who tip me off and after i read it i started following up and i like some of his very i so far listened to three of his uh, uh you know his classes one is the mystery of birth and death the other one is about uh, something like uh, how to deal with stress and uh, and the third one is also on karma how do mm. we understand karma and there he made a point that i have not heard so far anywhere and which explains a lot of things you know mm. people sometimes ask uh, why does it take so much time for someone to get a certain karmic reaction okay mm. in some cases it is immediate someone does something very horrible and then next to here he's met with an accident and he or she is finished or whatever mm. but the answer to why in some cases we end up getting karmic reaction for something we are not even aware that we did this birth maybe we did it some other birth so unfair mm. this is the question from his in so unfair we can't even understand why it's happening so he mm. says that karma that you did involved other people also you didn't do it in a vacuum so often the situation has to come about where they are also re again present in that situation to do that karma back to you they are in a different body in a different form you may not even know you know you're walking on a road someone runs you down you die you see but they that situation has to come about because that individual whom you probably harmed very unfairly in a in a in a earlier life has to also go through different things and come to that particular moment when this is destined that's the reason for this big time gaps and uh, delays because karma is not created in a vacuum it's not we sitting on an island we do something and then god makes a note of it and then you know gives it to us it involves so many other things and people and events so if whatever harm we did to someone has to be come back to us that person who was harmed by us has to also be present in that future situation mm like that certain things he explains in such a simple and unassuming way uh, audibility it is a little because he soft spoken but mm. uh, but otherwise it's it made certain things very clear to me so i quite like his lectures actually and i'm planning i would download it just not getting time to because mm. i got quite tracked by this rajmal rajimalhotra stuff which also from a material senses analysis is all so strikingly convincing but once i finish with this rajimalhotra i'm going to dive straight into this satyanarayan das okay he is saying that this philosophy is achinta beda beda it's like simultaneous that's oneness and oneness and difference that that is lord chaitanya that is basically yeah. coming from lord chaitanya that we are also spirit soul like the supreme lord but we don't have the extent of his powers it one and we are same but we are also different it is like a drop of or a salty water from the ocean and the whole ocean itself both have the same saltiness Salty. but the drop is just a drop of the ocean is an ocean so achinta beda beda tatva is coming straight from lord chaitanya and therefore it is reflected in the writings of lord chaitanya's followers like the goswamis mm. and he is this jiva research institute is all about studying jiva goswami's books and uh, he's got a setup in vrindavan so he has got he's written his own bhagavad gita he's written his own bhagavad gita 
Yeah, actually, I it's uh, the only slight catch in this whole thing is it's all rather expensive. Uh, some of the, I don't know. I mean, maybe he needs to generate that money. I, I uh, at one time I did get the copy of the Bhagavad Gita. I'm yet to look into it. Uh, okay. Print is small, and uh, supposedly he has some comments that are like they illuminate. But his uh, the lectures that I got access to are free. Then there are some that you have to pay. I think uh, he's got a lot of Western followers. Anyway, don't want to make any. Oh. Yeah, but this Namara's interview is fascinating. And you have to give it to Namara's to actually touch an individual like him, what one time was in ISKCON. And even now he's very amicably, but ISKCON has some issues dealing with this whole contradiction between what Prabhupada said in the, the books jiva. and uh, the Jiva. Whereas uh, in reality, it may have just been a simple preaching adjustment that Prabhupada made to be able to, for it to make sense to the Western audience, this biblical mm -hmm. background. You know, okay. when it's put like that, it makes so much sense. It's and why Iskon and the GBC made such a ruckus over it. And I think they were also very new in their roles. And they got just so taken aback and frightened by the way everything worked out that they just kind of, mm -hmm. and he went his own way like that. Okay. Okay. So shall we stop here and not start the next verse? Ninth, we can't start now because it's just past six o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So next Saturday we catch up again. Sure. Okay.